Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. Hello, local dreamers. Welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and this is episode 21, Lovely. Make sure you've listened to the song beforehand and are ready for an in-depth analysis of track 10 off Regional at Best. It is a late night tonight, and I have the crickets in the background as a nice ambiance, so I hope you enjoy that. I hope you're enjoying your summer, and I'm excited to dig into Lovely. Um, This is a great song, and I love the fact that it's coming from God's perspective. I think there's a lot of great reminders in this song that we can't hear enough, and so I hope you're ready to dig into it with me. Let us just start. So, the soundscape I love how it's very like ebbing and flowing. It kind of shows that this will be sort of a stream of consciousness song. And I really do think it's set up really perfectly as a message to the listener from God, Um, similar to how the Holy Spirit was voicing before you start your day. It really does bring a lot spiritually to the song to consider it through this lens. So starting with verse one, it says, you say things with your mouth, cobwebs and flies come out. I hear a second voice behind your tongue somehow. Luckily, I can read your mind. Flies and cobwebs unwind. They will not take you down. They will not cast you out. And the first thing I thought of when it starts off saying the things that come out of our mouth are cobwebs and flies, like immediately reminded me of Proverbs 18:21. So I just wanted to start with that. The verse says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And we see that the mouth and the tongue in general is repeatedly described in scripture as a very powerful thing for better or for worse. And I feel like this is portrayed many times in Tony and Pirates music as well. And I think it's a great way to start off the song um, because it is very important for us to remember and definitely I mean I would say almost all of our sin that impacts other people is through our words certainly there are internal sins as well but a lot of our issues in relationships and communication errors whatever it might be just there's so many problems that derive from the tongue and it's a really sobering idea because obviously it's something all of us do every single day all the time and so none of us can avoid the power of the tongue whether we want to or not and its effects on other people but it's also really important to acknowledge that what's coming out in this context are cobwebs and flies and so specifically with cobwebs you know you think about things that are old, how many times do we latch on to and repeat things that were either told to us that are lies, told to ourselves that are lies. And something actually that I was talking with my friend Laura about today is how some of the things, I I read this in a book I'm reading right now called Dream Big by Bob Goff. Um, And he talks about how some things that we believe and live out in our lives are actually generational. And in that way, like sometimes people we love can have good intentions with telling us certain things, but they can limit our lives. And so his example of this in his book was his dad growing up with him, going hiking out in the mountains or the forest or wherever, and telling him, like, every time you come to a big log, 
kick it and then jump, get away from it as fast as you can in case there's like rattlesnakes or something. And so he's grown up and now he's, you know, getting up there in age and he still to this day does this when he's around large logs. And it's just curious because he's like, how many times have I actually done that and witnessed a snake? Like hardly any if at all. And it's just one of those things where his dad was very earnest about teaching him that and it was completely a good intention, but also in a way it was a, a limiting belief that wasn't even based on truth. It was based more on fear and a fear of just some of those very, uh, what's the word? Like not irrational fears, but things that are just very unlikely to happen. The odds are very slim. Um, and so it's just interesting. I'm sure you have similar things like that in your life that you can think of that you've been told by other people or that you've told yourself. I know different ways that I've limited myself are with body image. I think we all go through that to different degrees. You know, as a petite woman, I have both been told and told myself really debilitating things about what I can or can't do because of what I look like. I think professionally, it's especially an area of my life where I get really self-conscious about what I look like and probably receive the most negative comments about what I look like and how I look like a child. Um, it's definitely a very sensitive and insecure topic you know when you're trying to present yourself to people as a professional you obviously want people to take you seriously and to believe you when you say that you're an adult it's it's a time it's a time for sure to be a petite woman especially when you're interested in something like music it's it's just it's an interesting industry to be trying to break into as someone who looks like me but that's neither here nor there anyway that was kind of a tangent but yeah so again cobwebs like you think of things that are really old you also think of things that are just really dirty whether that's cursing for some people or just really crude crass language that's just not very empathetic towards your audience i don't know just anything ugly that dishonors other people whether you intend it to or not our language is full of that yeah I think, I think those were my main implications with cobwebs there. And then flies, I think, is just funny because if you consider God saying this to us in actuality, he would basically be saying, the things that you are saying are basically shit. <laughs> He's like, flies are attracted to poop. I mean, it's a very powerful and sobering reminder that unfortunately, because of our nature and because of the world that we live in, more times than not, the things that are going to be coming out of our mouths are pretty ugly and pretty untrue. And just the way that we're wired with the way that we have fallen, we are much more likely to lean towards those negative things. And so he starts off with setting the stage this way. But then he says, I hear a second voice behind your tongue somehow. And the second voice to me can mean a couple things. On the one end, you know, God knows us. He knows us more deeply than we know us. And so if he hears a second voice, it means he always hears what's actually going on, despite what we're verbally saying to other people or even despite what we're telling ourselves sometimes. Just from personal experience, I think a really good, maybe extreme example of this is someone who's narcissistic. They're saying a lot of things, but what they're not saying are very deeply held wounds about a lot of things or deeply held fears or deeply held insecurities. 
yeah, I think a narcissist is a perfect way to, to explain what I mean by this this first kind of second voice. God can hear and witness what we're literally saying, but he also knows what our hearts are actually saying. He discerns what we're actually believing, even if it's not truth, even if it is from the devil. God is not confused by facades, and he sees through everything we're saying. I mean, that's both a very reassuring thing when we're not fully even sure what we feel, and also a very sobering and potentially intimidating concept that we can't hide anything from God, even if we try to. But then the other way we could interpret second voice, this just reminded me in in scripture when it talks about how when we don't know what to say or when we don't have the words to form what we're feeling, the Holy Spirit groans for us. And I mean, that's just accurate. And in that way, I think it's a very secondarily appropriate way to interpret this lyric is the Holy Spirit is groaning behind what we're actually saying or the lack thereof and God hears that and he he honors that and even when we don't have the right prayers to pray the Spirit can still groan for us and God still accepts that offering and so in both of these ways it's just a really beautiful reminder that he does hear you it's important to just continually bring things to him, even when it is cobwebs and flies, because he will hear you and what is actually going on, no matter what. He just wants us to participate because he loves that. And so along with that, he goes on to say, luckily, I can read your mind. I can read all whatever that second voice might be. I can read it. And so because of that, the flies and cobwebs unwind, and I'm able to decipher the truth from the lies and begin to teach that to you and to mold you in that as well. They will not take you down. They will not cast you out. And I love how when it comes to these lines where he's unraveling the ugliness that we're spouting, um, the piano comes in. And I think the piano in the song is very much like a symbol of hope. Um, It comes in right when the lyrics get more hopeful. And I love how he then projects immediately and responds immediately with this truth. They will not take you down. They will not cast you out. Regardless of what you're spouting, regardless of, of whether it's tearing you up or tearing another person up, regardless of the damage you you are and can often cause with what you're saying or what you're thinking, this sin cannot and will not separate you or isolate you from me, and it will not cast you out from my love. You are not too far gone. It is not too late to repent. It is not too late to speak up and to reach out to me. And just as important as it is that he starts off telling us what our words, how our words affect us, it's just as important that he immediately follows it up with truth that we need to know, especially when we do realize that the the things are cobwebs and flies. Instead of feeling super ashamed, we can just remember they will not take you down. They will not cast you out. And that is a truth that will continue to heal us and bring us back to God's feet in humility. Um, We don't have to beat ourselves up before we turn around and go back to God. He just wants us to keep going with him. And I know that's way easier said than done. I've always struggled with that and had to, you know, always remind myself that it doesn't take me beating myself up for repentance to happen. I don't need to beat myself up 
I just need to redirect myself and keep going. You don't have to wait a certain amount of time and shame yourself before you can start actively working with God again. You can just immediately do that. He, because he wasn't even surprised to begin with. Like, he knew what was going to happen, and he still died for it, regardless of what that thing was, regardless of how many times it happens. So, I love the fact that we're already starting off just completely smashing the lies, that we're still acknowledging are incredibly present. So then, we go into the pre-chorus, and he continues to set the scene of, of what's happening and why he's needing to speak to us in these moments. He says, Dear friend... Here we are again, pretending to understand how you think your world is ending. Sending signals and red flags and waves. It's hard to tell the difference between blood and water these days. I'll pray that one day you'll see the only difference between life and dying is one is trying. That's all we're going to do. That's all, sorry. That's all we're called to do. So try to love me and I'll try to save you. So here we are again. This is not something that's just going to go away. As far as we are on this earth, this will be a consistent struggle. So again, there's no surprise that we're here. But also, we're immediately, even before that, acknowledged as a dear friend. We're being told all this and addressed with all of this by God in the context of being beloved to him. And that's really important. Like, these words can't be said without first saying, dear friend. And I think that's really important that it starts with that. So God's saying, we're pretending to understand how you think your world is ending. And I think the key word here is think. Your world's not actually ending, but you think your world is ending. I think to me, this makes me think of someone coming to God with all of this. um, Someone just realizing where they've gone wrong and, and falling at God's knees in spite of it and just feeling really guilty and ashamed because of it. And because of that, they think their world is ending. We think we've messed up beyond repair. We think we've hurt this person too many times in the same way. We think we're too far gone. Whatever it is, whatever lie you tend to feel the most, like insert that here. And so because of that, because of how many times we've faced this lie, of course, like we think our world is ending. But it's important to remember that we think our world is ending, but it's actually not. Because even in the midst of this process of grieving what's gone wrong and feeling guilty and feeling ashamed and repenting, the fact that we're even expressing all of this and processing through all of this with God is exactly why our world is not ending. We are being vulnerable with God and that's all he's ever wanted from us. As I've said many times before, the world can't be ending if we're doing it with God. In fact, the world is so much better because we are doing it with God especially and even when we sin and mess up and hurt people. But again, in the context of thinking our world is ending, we are sending signals and red flags in waves. And this section reminded me of Psalm 69.1, where the psalmist says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. In the midst of this pain, we're just utterly panicking. We're being pounded by these waves. We're drowning in these waves. Um, We're sending red flags. We're sending signals. We're desperate for help. We are freaking out. You know, when I think about red flags in relationships, it's like, we need to be done. Like, this needs to be over. And I think this is a good depiction of how we just so easily condemn ourselves and 
instead of, again, repenting like God wants us to, we're much more inclined to just be incredibly harsh with ourselves in the light of pain and sin. We're not naturally inclined to, you know, accept the calling that God has given us in light of our sin. It takes more work to do that versus the flesh and the sin. So it's hard to tell the difference between blood and water these days in light of what's happening. And I think blood in this sentence is kind of that symbol of Jesus, Jesus dying for our sin. But in that way, it's kind of the recognition of sin here. It's hard to, the, it's hard to tell the difference in the midst of all of this shame and guilt, whether we should be focusing on the recognition of sin, the presence of sin, hence why the blood is needed. But also, simultaneously, there's water. There's that purity and baptism that we now have through Jesus's resurrection. And again, I think this flows into the theme of who we are as Christians. We are simultaneously a sinner and a saint. Um, And as far as we are on this physical earth, both of those things are are a reality, despite being seemingly contradictory. And so it makes sense that in light of our reality, of this tension that we're always going to have on earth, it's hard to tell the difference between what the focus is for us some days. But God then says, I'll pray that one day you'll see the only difference between life and dying is one is trying. That's all we're called to do. So try to love me and I'll try to save you. I think it's important that the emphasis here is on trying. Trying does not mean being perfect. It just means showing up as you are. And that's exactly who God calls us to be all the time. The difference between life and dying, and this is such a beautiful mental health reminder as well, is one is trying. Even when it gets hard, life, the choice of life, is about having some sort of faith that even though it's terrible right now, it won't always be this way. And that's exactly what our faith is about as well that we have this hope that things will not always be this way. One is trying, and this goes back to the common theme in this album especially, and that we see in consecutive albums? I don't think that's the word I was looking for. Successive albums. I think that's the word I was looking for. This idea of trying, of being awake rather than asleep. I kind of tie those two meanings together that Tyler often talks about. So life is tied to trying in this paragraph, just like it would be to being awake versus being asleep. And that's all we're called to do. We're just called to try. We're just called to constantly notice the tension and acknowledge the tension and acknowledge the sin and never grow apathetic to it. Even if we feel that shame or that guilt, I think that tension is even better than just being apathetic. I I feel like numbness and apathy are probably even worse than feeling negative emotions, which makes sense because I feel like that's, you know, that's what you hear all the time that people who struggle with depression must struggle the most. It's, it's not feeling sadness. It's feeling nothing. It's feeling a numbness. That's when things look the most grim in general. And same with faith. I think as long as you're feeling something, as long as you're trying, as he's saying here, like that's all we're called to do. So try to love me. You're not going to do it perfectly, but just try and I'll try to save you. And I, at first, I was pretty confused. I was like, okay, why would God be saying, I'll try to save you? God does save us, and he has saved us. 
But I think this is more so talking in general. This is talking to any listener, and that involves even someone who's not a Christian. And so what I take from try, I'll Try to Save You coming from God is he desires to save everyone. Unfortunately, he's not going to, but he desires to. So he, his prayer for us is that we would try to love him because he wants to try to save all of us, even though he can't. And that's also, I, I feel like analyzing this through the perspective of God talking to us, I feel like this whole song touches on like every important aspect of faith, why we need to repent, why we need to remain conscious, why we need to actively spread the gospel because not everyone is going to be saved. And I think this part really strikes on that significance in our faith really well. So that was the pre-chorus. Going into the chorus, it's pretty simple. Won't you stay alive? I'll take you on a ride. I will make you believe you are lovely. First of all, can we just say, this is is like the precursor to the song ride. Won't you stay alive? This could mean literally, this could also just mean staying conscious, staying spiritually aware. God will take us on a ride. And and if we are to connect this to the song Ride, I think it specifically means God wants us to take us at his pace. And his pace is healing. And his pace is also a lot slower than ours, you know? And I think that's cool that if we were to connect the song to Ride, it's like God desires for us to slow down. And so when Tyler finally gets to ride, it's like he's actually admitting he has slowed down and he's enjoying slowing down. And I think that is really accurate in general. Like when I think about times that I've felt the closest to God, it's when I've put away all the kind of consumerism culture and the achievement culture. And I completely upend my schedule and just spend an hour or two hours or more with God, not keeping track of time, not trying to achieve something or prove myself to anyone to just be in solitude with God and let that be enough and focus on God rather than myself for a while. That's always the most healing. So his his ride for us is ideal and he wants us to trust that he'll take us on a ride and it's going to be exactly what we need. And he will also make us believe that we are lovely. He calls all of us to be his beloved. And that's such a healing, beautiful thing for so many people because we are so quick to dislike ourselves. I think I, I kind of already touched on everything I had to say. This is probably just repetitive, but I mean, it can be said again. Stay conscious, stay conscious in Christ, and keep trying. And obviously, this also just matches Tyler's earnest desire for everyone to keep trying because it is worth it. He said that so many times, like verbatim. And I think Tyler is a beautiful example of that. Someone who was in the deepest of pits and singing about the deepest of pits for so long and now he has a beautiful family and scaled and icy just came out and he he wrote a song called good day like that's emotional and if you are in a low place and you are in a very hopeless place if nothing else remember tyler remember his story remember the bible remember all the stories in there i think something i'm learning I'm, I'm reading through Isaiah for the first time right now, and something that's really starting to hit me is I feel like one of the biggest, if not the biggest theme in the Bible is 
how badly we need the reminder that God will make things right someday, even if it's not until the afterlife. He does not let go of his promises. He doesn't lie to us, and he does bring full justice, even if it's not until after death. Even if we don't see it with our human eyes or understand with our human brains, he does bring everything to full justice and full completion. And in the midst of immense sorrows and inexplainable injustices and disgusting lies and disgusting deaths and tragedies and traumatic events, even if we don't see everything to justice on this earth, we're not supposed to, but we do have complete assurance that God will make all things right. And I hope that even if it doesn't feel like it, that you might trust that and that you might believe that. I know I am someone who's a very deep feeler and a very deeply emotive person. And so I probably know better than I don't want to say better than anyone because that's just not true. But <laughs> as someone who's literally talked to my counselor about being what is literally called a highly sensitive person, I know how convincing emotions can be. But something that God is also very, I'm just like not thinking of great words right now. But you know, it's really late. So cut me some slack. It's past midnight. <laughs> God knows what I was trying to say. And that's what the song is about right? Anyways, so that was the chorus. Verse two, your redemption won't grow stale. We are now just setting sail on the seas of what we fear. Treason now is growing near to me. This is an interesting verse as well, if we're thinking of this coming from God. Truth. I love how, I just feel like he's starting all of these off with truth, which is great. Your redemption won't grow stale. It doesn't matter how many times you lie. It doesn't matter how many times you are sexually immoral. It doesn't matter how many times you are dishonest. I literally already said lie. I don't know why I said that again. That's all that's coming to mind right now. No matter how many times you've done fill in the blank sin, that doesn't take away your redemption. And I love how he's basically saying that multiple times in the song because it's just like scripture. God says things multiple times because we forget a billion times. We can believe something and five minutes later, we're having anxiety, right? That's how my brain works. So clearly we cannot have these reminders enough. We are now just setting sail on the seas of what we fear. I think it's interesting he says what we fear. He's not just saying what you fear, but he's saying what he fears as well. So my interpretation of that specifically, if we're setting sail with God now, I think what we fear, at least speaking for myself, is leaving our old lives behind. They're comfortable. Gratifying the flesh is comfortable. It seems pleasurable. It seems like the best option when we're thinking selfishly. But as a good God, he knows what's great for us in the long run. And so even when it's hard, we can trust that he does know what's going to fill us up the most. He's not just instant gratification. He is long-term gratification. And that is far more important. But it is important to acknowledge that, yeah, as we set sail with God, 
we are on the seas of of leaving behind things that are familiar, things that are comfortable. We're going to be uncomfortable, whether with ourselves, sin that we're now grappling with, or even other people's images of, of us and potentially disliking us for our faith, for what we are preaching. I think tying an idea that God could be fearing something on this journey as well, along with the last line, treason now is growing near to me. I would say what God would fear would be just knowing that he's entering into relationship with this person who's going to dishonor him, inevitably. We're going to sin against him as long as we live. That's not an option. So in that way, like, God has died for us. But at the same time, like, he obviously grieves and doesn't want us to dishonor and sin against him. So at the same time, in a way, like, he also knows in the way that he somehow knows everything at the same time. He's not surprised, but at the same time, it's still just as grief-filled when we sin against him in the present and in the future because sin is never not heartbreaking to him. And so treason now is growing near to me. I see that as the same kind of idea. We are going to betray God because of our sin nature. Technically, this next little part is called Bridge One. So technically, according to Genius lyrics, there are two bridges in this song. Bridge One, both of them are brief, but Bridge One is I'm coming clean. God hit me straight on. I interpret this as God is sending Jesus. I'm coming clean. I am coming to the world a pure, clean man. God hit me straight on. It's like he's simultaneously, you know, because he is, he's simultaneously God and Jesus, right? And the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, I'm coming clean as God. And then he's simultaneously saying as Jesus, God hit me straight on. Use me as a sacrifice. Take all of your frustration with the treason and the fear of, of inevitable sin and dishonoring and hit me straight on with all of it. Put it all on me. Similar to Johnny Boy. Goes back into the chorus. Won't you stay alive? I'll take you on a ride. I will make you believe you are lovely. Which is even more impactful after the first bridge of like the truth of Jesus coming. The truth that he was willing to sacrifice himself because of how much he loves us, how much he believes we are lovely and worth it. And then bridge two is just this repetition of him saying, don't be gone. And this part is really beautiful to me. It's really simple, but the way he sings it and the way the music swells at this part is very beautiful. He's, as God, I feel like he's just saying, don't cling to this old life don't be gone. Don't reject me. Like, I genuinely don't want you to. He wants to try to save everyone, you know? And even though he is fully aware that that's not possible, it's similar to what I said earlier about him simultaneously knowing we'll dishonor him, but it's still being grief-filled. He simultaneously knows he can't save everyone, but is still incredibly grieved when that becomes a reality every single time don't be gone how desperately he just wants more than anything for this to be true and that is so heartbreaking <laughs> it's definitely too much to bear if you think about it for too long and then going into the outro he repeats what he started out saying you say things with your mouth cobwebs 
and flies come out and I love how it just peaks and he screams as he repeats this because it's like God is literally just screaming look at the lies that you are spouting like it's so upsetting and frustrating he's literally screaming he repeats it multiple times like keep questioning the root of your words keep seeking out truth because they're cobwebs and flies keep acknowledging that they're cobwebs and flies they're not truth they're lies and i love how as the words fade away the music slows down but it's pounding like god is pounding these words into our heads he so desperately wants us to know that lies are lies and the things that are hurting us are hurting us and they're old and they're dusty and they're gross and they smell bad <laughs> they're rotten and i i think this is what god wants us to know more than anything he wants us to know truth so badly and simultaneously he wants us to know the lies that we're believing so badly because of how deeply he loves us and how much he wants us to know we're lovely and travel with us through every single part of this journey. This is such a beautiful song and such a beautiful message, and I'm really glad we got to dig through it together. I hope you enjoyed that because it was lovely. Sorry, but I had to. So today, I'm so excited. I have a wonderful 21 pilot story. This is from our local dreamer, Julia. This made my day when she sent this to me. So here is Julia's story without further ado. I think the first Tony One Pilots song I ever listened to was Ride or Stressed Out, definitely during the Blurry Face era when they really started to blow up. I knew that they were a band, but I never really paid much attention to them. Fast forward to my freshman year of high school, I finally got Spotify Premium. I think, okay, I thought that was really funny that you were like, I finally got Spotify Premium when I was a freshman in high school because I am 24 and I literally just got Spotify Premium. So you go girl for budgeting and being excited and having Spotify Premium because that is amazing. I love that. And now I'm happy that I also have it. So way to go. Anyway. Just wanted to tag that on there. I just thought that was funny. She continues, and I proceeded to go on a song slash artist exploration, diving into different artists and exploring new music. I should mention that I am a huge fan of music and I have also been writing songs since fifth grade. I love that do not stop writing songs. That is amazing. I wanna know if you've like recorded any and would be willing to share because I would love to, to read that. Uh, no pressure, um, and I just realized I've put that on the air, so no pressure at all. But if you're willing to share, I'm sure they're amazing. Seems like you've been writing them for like almost 10 years now, so that's amazing. I'm sure they're amazing. So just wanna encourage you to keep doing that. I'm thriving with what you're saying. So anyway, the end of that sentence is, so I really connect with an artist who writes and produces their own music, for sure. And I'm really excited because of that, that I also got to feature you on an original at best song. That's so timely. 
Throughout my Spotify experience, I decided to listen to more of 21 Pilots, listening to various songs from different albums, such as Heavy Dirty Soul, Jumpsuit, Oh Misbeliever, and Heathens, which is obviously not from an album, but is still a banger. Agreed. I liked them, but I still wasn't much into them on a deeper level. Then, later into the year, a lot of suppressed guilt about sin and being dishonest with people started to surface, and I went into a brief but dark period in my life. Thanks to the grace of God, I am alive and well today, having given all of my burdens to Jesus. Then, in the summer, Scaled and Icy came out, and when Spotify notified me, I was excited to listen to their new music. Long story short, after listening and falling in love with the album, I went down a rabbit hole, listening to all of their other music and diving into the lyric interpretations. I, too, love writing songs with deep meaning and metaphors galore, and having also struggled with keeping a peaceful mind, I really felt like I could relate to Tyler and his craft. That is awesome, and I could not agree more. Now, I am proud to say that they are my absolute favorite artist, and after learning that they are both Christians and weave Christianity into their music, I loved them even more. Now, I hope that one day I can go to a concert to see them in person, as they have helped me realize that you have to take both the good and the ugly to God, as humans are wired to sin and only He can forgive us and give us peace in our lives. I love that. That is such a beautiful truth and something we cannot remember enough. And that is so awesome that you are already realizing that and bringing that to God. You are on a great track with our Father, and that is so cool. Thank you so much, Julia, for sharing your story. Um, I hope you guys appreciated that because I love that story. And as always, I want to hear from you. So you can email entrenchpodcast at gmail.com with a written account of your 21 Pilots story or your favorite memories you have related to the band. You can also reach out with an episode request if you want to analyze a song, music video, or album with me. Many songs are still available, including Scaled and Icy. And if you would like to contribute to the analysis we've already covered, you can join the podcast Facebook group by searching Entrench Podcast Group. You can find Entrench on Podbean, Verbal, Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. On Instagram, you can find me at Entrench underscore pod. I look forward to hearing from all of you. And tune in next time for Ruby. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Stay alive and remember, entrench, you're not alone.